Hello, I'm Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. In our podcast today, we're going to talk about an issue that has risen to a crisis level in healthcare. Staffing shortages are being felt across all healthcare sectors in acute care, ambulatory care, and long-term care. We'll dig into quantifying the extent of this crisis, discuss strategies that healthcare organizations are employing to deal with the situation, and we'll discuss the impacts on quality measures and star rating calculations for skilled nursing facilities. Joining us today are two executives from Innovalon who have experienced dealing with the challenges of staffing shortages. Andrew Durawa is the Director of Product Management at Innovalon, focusing on workforce management and labor analytics. Michelle Carl is a nurse with subject matter expertise associated with SNF care delivery and quality measures. Before we get into our subject of today's discussion, let's get to know our guests. So, Michelle, I'm going to start with you. Tell us something you are passionate about in your personal life. My personal life, my passion is my family, of course. I have beautiful children and I have wonderful grandchildren. Matter of fact, we're expecting number seven this year. Wonderful. And Andrew, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Diane, hi. Uh, I appreciate being a, a part of the show here. Um, but uh, yeah, about me personally, passion, gosh, um, there's always been a physical aspect of my life. So while I don't ride bicycles competitively anymore, it is still part of my life. I set, uh, you know, annual goals in terms of mileage there. So uh, uh, something fun in my life. And then like Michelle, I certainly share uh, family uh, my wife and I are empty nesters. I've got two adult children at this point in time. One works for the federal government, lives out in Washington, D.C., and the other is a nurse uh, more locally uh, here where we live. So, yeah, a pleasure being part of the show today. Great. So let's dive into the challenges associated with staffing shortages in healthcare. Andrew, can you help frame the extent of this crisis for healthcare providers? Yeah, Diane, you know, as you stated, this is uh, this is something that's experienced across all of healthcare. this shortage out there. Um, I'm not going to say this is a new issue out there, but it's certainly been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. And as I try to frame this, our organization and, and Diane, thanks very much for that introduction. Both Michelle and I work very directly in workforce management and clinical analytics tools. And and this was uh, an issue that really started to surface. There were a couple of publications that really were our, if you will, call to action here. So first of all, publications where CEOs in healthcare were uh, enumerating their top concerns out there. And perennially, that's always been things like financial challenges, margins within healthcare organizations, or the patient experience. Those would always be kind of your number one and two um, issues out there. But in the last couple of years, we saw staffing shortages, this crisis really bubbled to the top of those concerns out there from a CEO perspective. There was one other publication, again, that uh, really caught our attention, and this was the ANA, the American Nurses Association, where they published a COVID-19 survey series out there. And there was a line of questioning in that survey around nurses' intention to leave their current job. And when they initially surveyed, 
they had nurses to the tune of about 40% saying either yes, they intended to leave, or they were undecided. We saw subsequent surveys that were done that that is now up over 50%. Um, and when you look at why, the reasons why nurses are saying that, insufficient staffing is probably the number one concern. The work is impacting their health or their well-being. And then finally, they feel like this lack of support from their employer. Um, Diane, these were a lot of the key drivers that really got us involved and interested. And I'm sure we'll talk in more detail, but that's a bit of the framing sort of from my perspective. And Michelle, Andrew talked about um, this high number, this high percentage of nurses that, you know, talked about leaving. How is this shortage directly affecting those nurses on the job? You know, being a nurse, I actually still practice. I practice on weekends. And it's really challenging. With the pandemic, everything was really crazy. But the problem is we haven't seen much change since the pandemic has really settled down a little bit. We're still working with fewer staff, not only healthcare staff, but even outside healthcare. It's really hard to find um, individuals that want to come into the field now. And the other thing is now that you know, the pandemic's over, surveys are starting to hit up much harder. Um, and then they've changed the payroll-based journal. Uh, you know, they're looking at staff turnover, they're looking at administrator turnover. So with all of these plays in action, we're really having challenges in our facilities. And not only are we having challenges with staffing, but with census, because buildings are scared to admit uh, patients at full capacity because they don't have enough staff on the floors to really take care of those patients and give them the quality care that they need. So it's been very challenging and it's been a very hard impact in the world of nursing. Andrew, you earlier mentioned that CEOs had originally all, always focused on the patient experience. They had their eye on profits and now the shift the focus has shifted to attracting and retaining top talent. So what strategies can be leveraged to address this big industry concern? Yeah, yeah. And um, boy, there's a lot of, uh, as it were, water under this bridge, maybe I'll say. Um, you know, we started off this process where we started digging in here. And, and really, we were reaching out to some of our key clients. We held a number of collaboration sessions. So these are certainly not, uh, you know, Michelle and, and, and my ideas. This is really talking with our customers, which are, you know, really tip of the spear in terms of, you know, experiencing the pain point um, out there. Um, in those conversations, we talked quite a bit about the cost to replace a skilled RN out there, something to the tune of about $50,000 when you think about having to cover the, the shifts that that individual is working, training up a new resource. This is expensive on healthcare. We also dug into work-life integration um, issues, right, where, you know, there's a lot of demand on, on these, you know, healthcare workers and specifically nurses out there. We talked a lot about scheduling because scheduling is, is typically seen as one of the key issues uh, that, that can be a frustrator, one of the reasons why a nurse may leave their current role. So we looked at scheduling flexibility. Uh, we talked about concepts like self-scheduling, putting more control in the hands of nurses so that they can organize their schedule based on their life that's going on around them. We talked about shift trading, right? Because appointments occur, flexibility is needed within the schedule. 
signing up for partial shifts. Maybe a nurse can't work uh, an entire shift, but can sign up for, you know, a part of an eight hour or 12 hour shift uh, that's out there. Um, we've also got millennials, certainly, that are joining the workforce out there. The expectation around having a mobile access to my schedule anywhere, anytime, absolutely an expectation um, from nurses out there. So we talked a lot about what we can do to, you know, kind of build a more flexible schedule for nurses. But there was a concept, Diane, that that really started to bubble up in these conversations. And I'll, I'll frame it around quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is a term that we probably all recognize today, but it was only, you know, a little over a year ago that this this term started to bubble out there, which is essentially, you know, healthcare workers or nurses, staff in general, you know, kind of doing the bare minimum, not really going above and beyond. This quiet quitting concept was sort of, you know, expressed in the conversations that we were having. We thought about it and you know, we saw in the marketplace, there was a lot of, you know, subjective querying that was going on. So after you finished a shift, you know, you might be presented with an emoticon that would say anywhere from a smile face to a frown face, you know, how was your experience on the shift kind of thing? Very subjective information. What we learned in these dialogue uh, sessions that we had with our clients is that we really wanted to look at objective information that might uncover quiet quitting uh, type situations. And we uncovered really um, what I would call two buckets um, of, of information out there. So first of all, we wanted to measure engagement of nurses. So this would be things, typical things that you would measure like call outs due to sick time or no shows for a shift, punching in late or leaving early, those kinds of things. But then we also wanted to look at scheduling practices within an organization. What are those things within an organization that could lead to frustration from healthcare workers or from nurses? These were things like, did we adequately staff the shift in a department? Um, how often did we have to um, make last minute changes to the shift, extend the shift, uh, you know, change something about it, which can frustrate a nurse. And then also, how often did um, we have to float that individual in a given time where they're not working in their home location? All of these things can add to kind of frustrations within uh, the nursing ranks. So again, we wanted to focus on some objective criteria and kind of work with our clients to build out tool sets that could help uncover some of these, um, these concerns out there. The topic of agency resources comes up often in this discussion. Andrew, do you see the trend of using agency resources continuing? Yeah, I know. Um, you know, and, and I know, Michelle, I mean, you've probably got some really great firsthand experience in this uh, in this area as well. But from a staffing agency perspective, I see it. And in conversations with our clients, I do see the trend continuing. But I put a caveat out there, right? Because the trend of agency workers, agency workers can be expensive. It can be a morale issue within an organization as well when you see these shifts being filled by uh, agency workers out there. They do fill a critical need within the organization, though. Um, you've got to adequately staff, right? Client, uh, our clients, you know, they need to staff appropriately to keep that patient safe. Uh, and so we need to adequately staff with healthcare workers and nurses uh, appropriately. 
Um, it is certainly contributing to a higher cost of, of care delivery. We, you know, always measure, we take a look at what is the cost to deliver care? What is the cost to an organization? And labor has always been about 50% of that cost. So the single largest contributor to cost. We're seeing that number now increase from 50% up to, you know, over 60% now uh, in terms of delivering that cost. So it is a concern. In, in again, talking with our customers, uh, it's not so much that agency would go away or we would eliminate it completely, but it's really about full transparency. Um, it is an action within organizations that tends to happen in pockets. You don't know when we're, you know, hiring different resources and how do you control the costs against, uh, you know, across an entire enterprise out there. So from our perspective and in working with our clients, we're really looking for opportunities to expose that, you know, show what is the true cost, what is the true utilization of agency resources across the enterprise. Um, that's from my perspective, Michelle, I'd be really interested in additional thoughts you might have. <laughs> so really and truly, you know, speaking to our prospects, to our current clients, and then working in the field, uh, facilities are trying to utilize different approaches to bring full-time and PRN staff to reduce the use of agencies and travel nurses because of the cost. But then the other reason why is quality. So we're talking about star ratings. And one of the things that gets hit really hard is that quality of care. And the problem with agency and the problem with travel nurses is they don't know those residents as well as those full-time staff, right? So if we can utilize full-time staff and PRN staff in our facilities and find ways maybe offering that flex scheduling or self-scheduling aspect, um, really paying attention to those burnouts and find ways to mitigate having to bring in more agency or more travel nurses, then that's going to help them in that quality of care aspect. Um, for example, you know, Mr. Smith down the road it, on Hall 100, he might always have a cough. If you bring in an agency nurse, she's now running all of these unnecessary tests because she doesn't know Mr. Smith well enough to know that he's always had that little bit of a cough. So it's really important to try to in-house make the staff more flexible and utilize them in a smarter way. And that's why um, we are tr we are trying to move away from agency, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, agencies really needed right now, especially with the staffing part of the star ratings, because you do have to hit certain point values to be able to maintain your star ratings. Diane, I was I was just going to jump in there and add that what we're seeing at uh, a lot of our uh, customers that we that we work with is really kind of this uh, to to Michelle's point, really building these internal um, um, uh, agency organizations where uh, really taking a look at internal staff that may be interested in that flexibility, right, of moving around an enterprise, building out an internal agency so that that those resources could be used prior to having to go to outside agencies where the cost really does, um, you know, increase in terms of delivering that uh, care to patients. Great, Andrew. Thank you for that additional perspective. And, and Michelle, I'm going to kind of go back to you because you mentioned the star ratings, you know, and we're seeing that SNFs, um, the Biden administration at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services has been putting SNFs under increased scrutiny. And how might that impact the calculation of quality measures and those star ratings that you were just referring to? You know, 
back in October the 20th, CMS made a big announcement when they released it saying how the Biden administration was going to crack down and enforce on the nation's poorest performing nursing homes. So unfortunately, you know, when they start looking at those performing nursing homes, not only are they looking at how the surveys are hitting, but they're also looking at how those star ratings are hitting. Um, so they did change. So back in uh, June, they changed how staffing stars would be affected. So with the payroll-based journal uh, document, before they changed it, you know, you could get an, a bonus star and be five-star in staffing pretty easily. It wasn't a real challenge. But now they've moved it to point bases. So now they're looking at how those point bases are hitting as far as your staffing numbers, your all staff, your RN numbers, but then they also put in that turnover rate there. And unfortunately, turnover in long-term care is huge, especially when it comes to RNs and nurses, because there's always something better out there. You know, you don't have to stay focused in a skilled nursing facility. You can get some training, and this is what we're seeing. We're seeing new nurses come in, and they're getting hired on by SNFs because we really need them, and now we're giving them all the training. So we're teaching them the IV certifications and the training. And then once they get all those certifications and that training, they work there for a year, they're moving on. They're moving on to hospitals, to agencies as a travel nurse because of payment. So with the star ratings and way they changed the, how the calculation for staffing is, that's going to be a harder challenge for the facilities to hit those bonus stars as far as staffing goes. So what buildings are looking at now is what do we need to hit that minimum? So many many of the buildings are maintaining their staffing ratios per their state. And then they're seeing based off of those state staffing ratios, where's our star gonna hit? Most facilities aren't trying to hit five stars. And if you don't hit five stars, you don't get a bonus star. So what that means is you have to do better in that quality and in that survey area. Now, with the with them not hitting that five stars, you know, they're hitting three stars, two stars. Hopefully they're hitting a high enough right in that staffing area and they're hitting maybe, let's say, five stars in quality and then four stars in staffing so they can stay up to that three star level. But the biggest challenge is, is everything has changed. You know, since June, they've changed that payroll based journal. They changed those point values. So now facilities are having to adjust how they used to do it. And they're having to look at more of the data to see exactly what do we need in our building to stay at a three star level. Or what do we need in our building if we want to be at that four-star level? But then you got to look at the cost. So that cost is going to hit us too. So it's really a juggling act, to be honest, to trying to figure out where we hit. The other thing you have to realize is not only are they having to manage those star ratings, but they're also, you know, Biden's revision and the reason why he's cracking down on those poor performing nursing homes is he's looking at the special focus facility program. The special focus facility program hasn't had changes in a long time, and now they're looking at changing how they're going to do that um, as far as making more penalties if you remain on the special focus facility list. You know, it's really going to be challenged for skilled facilities to stay where they need to be. And for those special focus facilities, they're really going to have to crack down on their processes and be able to manage to get off that list. This has all been very, very useful information. Any final words before we wrap up our conversation today? And um, let's go to Andrew first. You know, Diane, I would say it this way. Um, First of all, we certainly appreciate the time to sit down and discuss with you and your listeners 
uh, what we feel is, uh, you know, a really critical issue, again, um, elevating to the level of crisis within healthcare. Um, from our perspective, you know, if these themes that we're talking about, staffing shortages, that competition for top talent in that shrinking labor pool that we're seeing, um, empowering of, of staff scheduling tools and, and analytics to provide insights. If any of this is resonating, we'd, uh, we'd love to speak with, uh, with other individuals as we continue to gather our insights, uh, as we, as we look to, you know, kind of the building of tools to kind of help our, um, you know, long-term care, skilled nursing facilities, uh, out there deal with, um, with this challenge or this pain point out there. So again, Diane, I will just say, you know, thanks again for the time to speak with you and your audience. Thank you, Andrew. And Michelle, any final thoughts from you? You know, my final thoughts is facilities need to really pay attention to what they have, the tools that they're using, and start utilizing tools that's going to provide them the data to really look at where they need to drive their staffing. Being able to manage not only the data for staffing, but also for that clinical aspect and put them together to really drive their numbers and to meet the staffing ratios, the star ratings, and to manage those special fo focus facility programs. And again, thank you for allowing us to have time and to speak with your listeners on these topics. And Andrew and Michelle, thank you for your time and the ability to reach out and speak with your listeners. 